Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey guys, it's Luce and Liv here, two of the humans behind Shit You Should Care About. For those of you who don't know, Shit You Should Care About is a media platform designed to help you give a shit about what's going on in the world. Awesome, so let's get on with the show. Welcome to... The Shit Show. Welcome to the world of the media. Hello, everybody. We're coming at you live from lockdown with a coronavirus special. We wish we didn't have to do it this way. We wish we could start off with a really fun, really happy episode. But unfortunately, something is taking the world by storm. And it isn't Harry Styles this time. It is COVID-19. So I'm here with Liv. Liv, how's your lockdown going, Dal? Yeah, no, my lockdown's actually pretty good considering. I mean, I'm pretty lucky. I'm um, living in Wellington. My uni's been postponed at the moment, so I've got like three weeks off, meaning I've got a lot of time to dedicate to Cisco, which is great. How about you, Luce? What's lockdown like for you? Um, Yeah, you know, I'm meant to be getting ready to fly to London and get a big girl job with my big girl degree, but instead I am back home with my family riding out the lockdown with them. So I'm like you, I am very lucky that I do have a family that can support me and I don't have to look after anyone that's compromised during this time. But um, yeah, no, Spanner has definitely been thrown in the works. Now we are missing one of the three members of Shit You Should Care About, as you may have noticed. Ruby, our beautiful third member, is off being an essential worker while New Zealand is on lockdown. So she is working her ass off so that we can continue to live. So a bit of a shout out to Rubes, who's out there doing it for all of us. I live. Fuck yeah, Rubes. You're doing so good. Can't believe you're living in a camper van in isolation, but you know, go you. Yeah, we can't wait to have you back on the podcast with us. So as you heard earlier, today's episode is not your average episode. It is a COVID-19 or a coronavirus special. Um, Liv, can we just firstly talk about how fucked up this is right now, that this is life? This situation is beyond crazy. It feels like we're in a movie. No, I know. Literally, if anyone told me even two weeks ago that I would be locked inside my house as a potentially deadly virus just started spreading across the world, I'd be shook. I wouldn't believe you. It's literally stopped our lives. It's wild. 
So here's the story, folks. So guys, we thought we'd give you a wee outline of what we're gonna chat about today. First, I'm going to give you a bit of a lowdown on the facts. So what do we know about COVID-19? And then Liv's gonna jump into a bit of the biology of the virus. And then, you know, we're gonna finish on some positive shit. Okay, so before I get into this, I really do wanna pop a wee caveat on this and say, we are not experts. We are just here to help spread I probably shouldn't use the word spread. We're here to help inform you guys on what's going on. What, Like, honestly, what the fuck is happening? Wow, that's going to be a great story. On December 31st last year, China alerted the World Health Organization to several cases of what was then an unusual pneumonia, which originated in Wuhan, a port city of about 11 million people. So the virus then was unknown, and we don't know how long it had existed in China before it was actually reported on. Now, this virus is obviously a household name. It's what we're all fearing right now. It is coronavirus or COVID-19. So how did it begin? We're not really sure how COVID-19 was first transmitted to people, but it is really likely that it comes from an animal. So a live animal market in Wuhan is suspected as the original source of COVID-19, but I just do need to say that this hasn't been confirmed. So many of the first cases were from people who worked at the markets or even visitors, actually. So this is why we think that this is where the virus originated. Fast forward to now, obviously, and the scale of this fucker is like nothing we have seen in our lifetime. Right, so now I want to jump in and give you guys some stats on this thing. Now, these stats are from the time of recording, which is April the 2nd, and these are from Worldometer, which is where we've been getting all the stats for our daily updates over at Shit You Should Care About on Instagram. So if you're following us there, then you might have already seen them, but for all of you new listeners, here are some of the stats. So right now, the total confirmed cases are at about 940,000. So that's confirmed cases of the virus that have been tested and tracked. Then we've got 46,700 deaths at the moment. But then we also have 193,750 people who have recovered so far. So we do see in the media a lot of talk about the death rate, obviously, but we don't often see how many people have recovered. So there are your worldwide stats, just to start us off. But it'll be interesting for us to actually look at how different countries are dealing with the virus. So I want to jump in and talk about, first of all, New Zealand. So right now we have 723 cases and one death from COVID-19. We are in a nationwide lockdown. So this means that only essential services are operating for about four weeks, but this could be longer. And we do want to give a shout out to Jacinda Ardern, our great leader, who is absolutely taking this crisis and, you know, looking after us with such grace. Holy shit. She is insanely eloquent, like the most eloquent person I think I've ever heard. We love her. We stand. I can't talk about New Zealand without talking about Australia. Now, Australia is a bit more confusing, but I'll start off with the effects. So they have 4,864 total cases and 22 deaths at the moment. Now, their Prime Minister has advised against the word lockdown, 
I think as of right now, everyone has been advised to stay home unless you are shopping or receiving medical care. Or I think you can exercise with one other person maybe or travel to and from education. But they haven't settled on the word lockdown, but they are being told to distance themselves from others. The public is really a bit confused about what to do. They want some set structured rules from their government which I think Scott Morrison needs to give them he needs to stop worrying about jigsaw puzzles and Andrew at the press conference and just start giving people some guidelines because that's what you do when you're a leader right so next we need to talk about the U.S. So the USA actually has the highest number of confirmed cases with 211,000 total cases and 4,800 deaths. So the USA have declared a national emergency, but since their first case arrived on about January the 20th, they have moved way too slow, to be honest, to contain it, and they're now seeing it get a bit out of hand over there, really. As of April the 1st, 33 states have urged residents to stay at home and it is estimated that about three quarters of the entire population have also been told to stay home as well. So Trump actually announced on the 29th of March that all these recommendations to practice physical distancing would remain in place at least through till the end of April. This is interesting because he literally said just a few days ago that they would be back in business by Easter. He is such an idiot because Trump keeps saying shit like the cure can't be worse than the problem. We're not going to let the cure be worse than the problem. Trump, you are the problem and we need to be cured of you. Anyway, he's gone back on what he said about being back up and running by Easter because for us to get over this, you need to be physically distancing. You need to be locking down. You need to be taking this seriously. Quiet, quiet, quiet. Italy has obviously been hit really, really hard by COVID-19. And honestly, my heart does go out to them. Um, Italy right now has 110,000 total cases or just over and 13,000 deaths. So right now the country is in lockdown. So that's over 60 million people. Originally, it was only going to be like this until April the 3rd, but this has been extended until Easter, and I dare say that this might be extended further. Uh, Number one, I am the least racist person. So next, I want to talk about Spain, which has 104,000 total cases and 9,300 deaths. So Spain is going into its third week of a near total lockdown. The government has just actually approved a strengthening of this lockdown to help curb the spread. So now all non-essential workers have to stay at home for a solid two weeks. It's super interesting how different governments react to what's going on because in New Zealand, you know, we've had one death and we're at home for four weeks. I know. I also think... We're in a really privileged position where we can take preemptive measures. We've seen it go around the world before it gets to us. So we have been able to put things in place. The last country that I want to talk about just for now is China, which where it obviously started, but they're quite interesting. So China has 81,500 total cases and 
3,300 deaths. So China are actually starting to ease their restrictions because they seem to have the virus under control. According to China's National Health Commission, Wuhan has recorded just one new infection in the past week. The residents in Wuhan now are starting to be able to leave the house actually with health tracking code, like one of those QR codes, which has the person's health status linked to it. All of this does sound positive and other restrictions in China are starting to be lifted as well. But one of the possible reasons that China's numbers have gotten a bit smaller or one infection a week is because China, and they've admitted this themselves, they haven't been recording asymptomatic cases. So these are cases with no symptoms. Health experts actually think that these asymptomatic cases make up a large proportion of people with the virus. So even if you're asymptomatic, you can still get tested positively for coronavirus. And that's what's scary, is if you're asymptomatic, you could be walking around with the virus spreading it but you have no symptoms and this is what's worrying about China right now is that there's fears of a second wave of infection where thousands of people with these asymptomatic cases are still carrying the virus so responding to this criticism that they haven't been tracking the asymptomatic cases China's National Health Commission has said that from now on it's going to report on all the data of asymptomatic cases so, Luce, just on a side note um, to the coronavirus, do you think that China might be using all of this media hype about COVID-19 to maybe detract from all of the other things that have been going on recently in China, like the concentration camps? I don't know if China is using this in any way. With the concentration camps or the work camps in Xinjiang, I've been actually looking up whether anyone has reported on the viruses doing the rounds in the camps, and I can't find anything on that either. There have been many conspiracy theories about how China have invented this virus and that, you know, also with their population, they were using the virus to get things under control. But we obviously can't speak to conspiracies. Um, Actually, I did read an interesting article from Science Alert that was talking about the conspiracy theory about maybe it being a man-made disease. There has been recent evidence, I think it was like the 30th of March, so only a few days ago, that has put to rest the conspiracy theories that claim that it might be a lab-made disease because they've found data from the genes of the virus itself showing that the receptor bound itself so effectively to the human cells that it had to be caused by natural selection ah okay it's like we're in a black mirror episode right now no honestly that is what it's like i agree quiet 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 right Liv. now i know that you've been doing a bit of digging on the biology side of things and the um, medical developments around the virus. Yeah, so I think the biological basis around COVID-19 is such a murky area for everyone that doesn't understand, you know, like scientific reports and stuff, which is the majority of the world. Fuck yeah, I would not know how to read a scientific report. It can just be so daunting to have this thing completely interrupt our life and not fully understand what it even is. So I thought I'd break it down for you guys. Just to reiterate, I absolutely am not a health expert. I have a background in psychology and we did a lot of biology. So that's the only reason I know how to read scientific reports to an extent. This is just my understanding of what's going on at the moment. So basically COVID-19 
is one strain of three different strains of coronavirus. The first strain was called Severe Acute Respiratory Syndrome, also known as SARS-CoV. It's written S-A-R-S-C-O-V. So that's sort of like the scientific name for it. And just as a side note, I have learnt that COV stands for coronavirus, I think, and then 19 is because it started in 2019. This first strain of coronavirus emerged in 2002 in, I do apologize for my pronunciation with this because I just don't know, but um, Guangdong province of China. This spread to five continents through different air travel routes, infecting over 8,000 people and causing 774 deaths. This strain of the virus is very closely related to COVID-19. So COVID-19 is called SARS-CoV-2. The original strain SARS-CoV was thought to have originated from bats. After SARS, there was a second strain which arose in the Middle East, which was called Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, also known as MERS-CoV. This came about in the Arabian Peninsula, where it still is actually a major public health concern. This was exported to 27 countries, infecting a total of 2,494 people, and it claimed 858 lives. When was this, Liv? Okay, so MERS came about in 2012. So this was also thought to originate from bats, but the spillover. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Over to humans was actually found to be from camels. So then skip forward to 2019, and this is when COVID-19 outbroke. So it was classified as an atypical pneumonia and is associated with the third corona strain, which is SARS-CoV-2. This was discovered in December 2019 in Wuhong. So this was classified as a public health emergency of international concern by WHO, who are the World Health Organization. Um, And this was done on January 30th this year, so 2020. As we said before, the origins of this virus are still unconfirmed. There are suspicions of animal origin, suspicions of bat origin, but this has not been confirmed as of yet. You may be asking, what are the actual differences between the three coronavirus strains? Yeah, I actually am wondering that. The thing is, the lethality of the three strains are very similar. Once you contract it and it gets into your lungs your likelihood of dying is pretty similar with all three strains. The thing that sets COVID-19 apart is that the contagiousness is far higher than the other two strains. And this is due to two factors of the virus. Uh, Number one, I am the least racist person. So the first factor of that is that the strain replicates in the upper respiratory tract as well as the lower respiratory tract. By this, I mean... The common cold replicates itself 
in the mouth, so in your upper throat. Your lower respiratory tract is your lungs. So it replicates in both. Oh, so this manifests itself in both. Yeah, whereas with the other two strains, it replicates mainly in the lower respiratory tract, meaning that they are much less contagious. Because I guess if it replicates in the upper respiratory tract, it doesn't even need to make it to your lungs to be contagious. So you're pretty much contagious from the get-go. Oh my God. I actually have been wondering why this is so much more contagious than everything else. Like that's a massive question that I've been wondering. Yeah, so we've all heard of SARS. Some people may have heard of MERS as well. But this is why the whole world is going into lockdown purely because of how contagious this virus is. This information is from Dr. Stanley Perlman from the journal Elsevier. I don't actually know how to say that. I'm sorry. The other main reason that the virus is so highly contagious is the fact that some people can spread the virus while they are asymptomatic. So asymptomatic, as we discussed before, means that you know, you have the virus, but you're actually displaying not a single symptom. So that's so confusing for people because it's like, you don't feel sick. You don't have a cough. You're not sneezing. You're not spluttering. You've not got any of these things, but yet you still have COVID-19. If you have no clue that you've got the virus, you're so much more likely to pass it on to others because you haven't put the correct protocol in place. Because why would you? You don't feel like you're sick scientists are actually still unsure how it is transmitted from asymptomatic people to others because it's understood that the virus is spread by droplets. When you cough, when you sneeze, you produce droplets that stay in the air for a little bit and they're actually too big so they fall down onto the surrounding surfaces and that's why we've been told not to touch things, to sanitize every area is because actually the virus can stay on a surface for two to three days. That's why scientists are so confused because asymptomatic people aren't sneezing, aren't coughing. So therefore, how does the virus transmit without that happening? Okay, Liv. So one question that I have and I know a bunch of our listeners are going to have is what is actually being done to combat this virus? Like vaccines, are they in the works? When are we going to know? You know, what's happening? What's what's being done? Yeah, that's such a good question, Lewis, and I think pretty much the whole world is wondering the same thing. The World Health Organization have put out situation reports every few days to tell the world what's happening in the medical world, what's happening in the you know social and political world. So their latest one, which was released on the 31st of March, said that no pharmaceutical products have yet been shown to be safe and effective for the treatment of COVID-19. But there are actually a number of medicines that are being investigated and clinically trialed as we speak or about to be clinically trialed. These trials are quite a process, um, as you can imagine, because we don't want to jump the gun and give people the wrong healthcare. Doctors throughout many countries are actually still giving medications that haven't been approved to treat this disease. When I first read this, I was like, holy fuck, like this is obviously like the wrong thing to do. But The reality of it is that, you know, people are dying. So we need to do something and do something fast. It's considered off-label use and the prescriptions are subject to national laws and regulations and it must be done on a case-by-case basis. So this means that depending where you are living, there'll be different rules and regulations surrounding the use of medications that haven't actually been approved to treat COVID-19. 
This can actually be ethically appropriate on an emergency basis outside of clinical trials, as long as the results are monitored and shared with the scientific community, no proven treatment exists, and that the patient has given their consent. So the medications that are being tested, there are quite a list. Um, Firstly, a lot of anti-malarial drugs. Liv, wasn't it an anti-malarial drug that Donald Trump was telling people to take and then like a husband and wife took it or something and got really sick and I think the husband might have even died yeah no Luce you're totally right that was an anti-malarial medication which Trump told everyone was treatment for COVID-19 and it actually hadn't been approved well I don't know I was given that information I was given I've actually I've seen that information around that drug was chloroquine or chloroquine not quite sure again sorry guys phosphate, which is actually an additive used to clean fish tanks. Trump said it was pretty much a cure. The woman and man, her husband, they took the drug and the husband unfortunately passed away pretty soon after consuming the drug. So guys, we're not telling you to go out and try any drugs. If you've just been to India or somewhere and you've been giving anti-malarial drugs, don't take them because you think that they are going to help you fight off COVID-19. We are not pushing any drugs. We're just giving you the facts on what's happening. Exactly. Don't act on this, guys. But um, this is just the information out there at the moment. That's one strain of medication that has been tested. Another strain is called remdesivir. That is actually labelled the most promising antiviral drug during the early outbreak of COVID-19. The first batch of clinical data um, for this drug could be available in April as Chinese scientists have been testing it in two trials from mild to moderate and severe COVID-19 patients in Wuhan. There's also another drug that has been developed in Japan by Fujifilm called Avigan. Actually, Trump again, he's been pressuring the FDA to allow use of it throughout the pandemic, even though it has been unapproved by the US. Actually, side note, he tried to buy that vaccine off of Germany and have it just for America. Did you read about that? Yes. Oh my God. How freaking selfish. Yeah. So again, he's jumped the gun. It has actually been approved in Japan and China, but the US FDA and South Korea have rejected it in the past as they're worried about its side effects. There's some pretty nasty side effects associated with it, such as fetal deaths in animals. So yeah, not sure... Not sure how that one's going to go. There's a whole list of other drugs being looked into. If you guys want to go out and research, it's pretty interesting stuff. But yeah, as of yet, there's actually no proven treatment to exist. Okay, and what about vaccines, Liv? Again, there's no proved vaccines at the moment. The good news is that scientists sequence the genome of um, COVID-19 pretty rapidly. Um, which is the DNA sequencing in the gene of the virus. So if anyone's familiar with ATGNC, it's a combination of the building blocks of DNA. And once they know that order... And just like that, she's lost me. Yeah, so once you know that order, um, they can work with it, basically. So this will hopefully allow things to move along quickly in regards to vaccine development. The availability of virus and animal models will also help. But the issue is with vaccines is that scientists don't 
actually know what we need in a vaccine yet. They don't understand COVID-19 itself well enough to know what we need to do to stop it or even how long the virus is going to stick around for. So we're actually unsure how long lasting the vaccine needs to be. There's still a lot to develop in regards to that, but I'm sure our scientists on the front line are doing a bloody good job. Do you know like what's likely to happen with this virus? Do you know what happened in the past with SARS and MERS? Yeah, so Dr. Stanley Perlman, um, as mentioned before, he actually did mention about what may be likely to happen with the virus. Is it going to teeter off? Is it going to calm down and sort of like wind down into nothing? Or is it going to blend into the landscape of viral infections that we have at the moment and maybe become a less intense version of itself? With SARS, um, it wound down. SARS was only around for about two years. I think it was from 2002 until 2004. That was when the last reported case of it was. SARS only wound down because people were quarantined and it wasn't particularly contagious. So they went through, I think, similar, probably less rigorous steps that we're going through in this lockdown period. But the reason that it worked so well with SARS is, as we said before, it only really replicated in the lower tract, so in the lungs. And that meant that it was far less contagious contagious than COVID-19. It's actually more likely though that COVID-19 is going to blend into the landscape rather than wind down due to how contagious it is. And this is also because of the asymptomatic effect that it has on a lot of people. I think it's relatively unlikely that it's going to, you know, mutate into several different strains. What scientists are thinking at the moment is that it seems like it's going to stay as a single strain rather than the flu that mutates a lot. You know, you've heard of the bird flu, swine flu. There's lots of different types of flu because of the mutations. But with COVID-19, they're thinking that it's going to stay as it is. There might be several rounds of the virus. We might have waves of it. And also it might turn into another lower case respiratory disease. Something usual in the landscape. How much longer should we stay here, folks? I think it's time we move into something a little bit less shit, like humankind and how they can be humanly very kind. So we actually have a post that's on our Instagram at shit you should care about at the moment that says good shit is still happening. Wow, that's going to be a great story. So basically I just went out and did some research on the good stuff that's still happening amongst a pretty shit time. And I just want to let you guys know what I found. So in New Zealand, um, 3D printer owners all over the country are printing thousands of visors for understocked medical clinics, which I think is pretty cool because it's random people in their garage that have 3D printers that just love doing it, or design teachers from schools that are like coming together to make tens of thousands of visors. So there's a guy in Melbourne that has been called Generous Pete. So he took $10,000 out of his own bank account and has been giving out $100 bills to people standing in the queue for Centrelinks. Centrelink is the place that sorts out your benefits or like your welfare payments. So he obviously knew people were struggling for money and, you know, he gave up his own wealth to give it to others. I think that's really beautiful. 
This one's cool. So dozens of elephants that have been used for carrying tourists in Thailand have been freed from their massive wooden and metal seats that are usually strapped to their backs. A camp in Chiang Mai has also announced that it has no intention of making its 78 elephants wear these heavy carriages ever again, even when the business is reopened. James Dyson, the guy that invents Dyson products, like the really expensive vacuum cleaner, he got a personal call from Boris Johnson, who now has the coronavirus, by the way, and Boris asked him if he could invent a ventilator. So James Dyson and his team invented the Covent in just 10 days. And what's really cool about this is that Boris Johnson asked for 10,000 ventilators, Dyson has come through with that and they're going to donate an extra 5,000 to international hospitals that are short on emergency equipment. So I think that's really cool as well. So these ones are a bit more broad, but there have been a bunch of distilleries around the world. So there's some in New Zealand, some in the US and probably all over the place that are changing from the usual production of gin and switching to um, hand sanitizer. So that I think is pretty fucking cool too. Shelter animals are finding new homes very quickly. In America, for the week of 14th to the 20th of March, there was an overall 93% increase in animals going to foster homes, which is awesome. As long as, I will just say, as long as after the pandemic is calmed down, these animals stay with their new families and don't then get put back into their foster system. And lastly, I don't think I really need to go into this one that much, but isn't it just fucking nice that the world is taking a breath? It's just nice to see that, you know, the environment's getting to have a little me time as well. While we all have self-care, the environment's getting a bit of self-care too. So I think that's really nice to see and hopefully people will start liking the fact that they can breathe nice air and want to actually give a shit about climate change and the planet. Now, I think that's probably all we have time for. We know things are scary out there, but just stay safe, stay indoors, be kind. And if you've got nothing to do, feel free to drop us a review or subscribe to us on wherever you listen to your podcasts. And definitely come hang out with us over at Shit You Should Care About because we love chatting to you guys and it's a safe space for everyone. So come hang. Thanks for listening, guys. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50% to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.